You're listening to Dots, Lines, and Destinations, a travel podcast with host Stephen Seagraves, Fosma Moon, and Seth Miller. Hello, and welcome to episode 324 of Dots, Lines, and Destinations. I'm Stephen Seagraves, joined today by Seth Miller. Yes, Mr. you are. Dr. Miller. <laughs> hey, you're I'm doing all right. How are you? Uh, recovering, I think we'll call it. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking forward, a lot of sorts. I, I, I'm looking forward to the first show of the new year. You know, next next show. <laughs> um, yeah, <laughs> you know, I was joking some on the other day. We should just switch to the lunar new year and try again. <laughs> um, you know, it sounds good. We tried. We had a good run at the first seven days, and yeah, let's, like five uh, let's and a half just, days, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Let's just uh, start over. <laughs> Call him Mulligan. <laughs> yeah. uh, I mean, the PGA can't. You can't do that on the PGA Tour. So you know. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I bet I'm sure you could on Trump's course. So, well, so that was the joke I was making. The PGA booted him. <laughs> oh, they did. Yeah, I, didn't know if you, I guess you had heard it. They, they've said now that they won't host any tournaments at any Trump courses, including the 2022 PGA uh, Championships. Oh, I missed that. That's I, the I, reference I, I was making. Sorry. I gotcha. No, no. I, I've been. <laughs> I like. I've like intentionally been off the internet the last day and a half. So you're a smarter man than I am. No, I just you know. Anyway. Yeah, so it's been a crazy, crazy start to the year, I think, between the uh, insurrection and um, the crash of the Sriwijaya Air Line in Indonesia. Um, it's Things are not, you know, I, I think the hopes for 2021 uh, have been dashed already <laughs> a little bit. I, I think we might have to adjust our expectations. Yes, I, I think you're right. Um, I, I think So from follow-up from last week, uh, volcano issues. Yeah, I... I'm embarrassed by this when we were talking about uh, the um, the street food. Yeah. Um, and I was like, it was Manhattan, all right? And you guys both agreed with me, proving that all three of us had no effing clue. It's Vesuvius. Etna's insistently uh, Vesuvius yeah. is, was Pompeii. Um, and so I apologize for that. Uh, thank you to Ed for being very polite in his calling me out on that. Um, that dick. <laughs> he did it privately. <laughs> you know, I'm if just, it was me, I would have been yo moron um, <laughs> on Twitter publicly. I, I did it privately. He was the nice guy. Uh, but I'm just be, I'm giving it a hard time. So. He did rub in the fact that he's visited both of them, and that that's obviously why he knows the difference. Oh, uh, I see. With his family, so clear, clear, clear. Uh, I've only visited the one. Which one? Uh, Vesuvius. I went to Pompeii in, and you didn't like, know in 1999. <laughs> no, that's what makes it even worse. <laughs> Uh, and I have flown over Mount Etna. I have a great picture of it, actually, on a flight from Munich to either Munich to Malta or Malta to Frankfurt. I forget which direction we were going. Oh, when I got the shot. But interesting. Maybe I'll see if I can pull up that image. That brings up a question. What did you think of Malta? I really enjoy it, uh, visiting. I don't think it's a long term place to stay. Mm -hmm. yep. um, I will also caveat it. Uh, when I went in, it wasn't 99. It would have been 2001. Um, when I went in 2001, it was... Right after 9-11, it was October, um, it was the first vacation, really, like, international big trip I took with my then-girlfriend, now-wife, um, and we stayed on points as a Hilton Diamond at the, what was then literally brand new Hilton, sort of just outside of downtown Valletta, which is the capital, mm -hmm. and it was, at the time, just a spectacular property. I don't know if it still is, but mm. back then, and especially um, with the Diamond Benefits and whatnot, it was unbelievably nice place to stay. Um, we spent, like, a week there, mm. um, which is, in retrospect, was too long in some ways, not long enough in others. We did some diving. Um, the scuba diving wasn't great. Mm. Uh, the water just wasn't as clear and not, not as much sea life, uh, but there's some interesting stuff. Um 
We also went to Gozo, which is the little island uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, live off the north. And when we did it, there was still uh, Air Malta was still flying a helicopter back and forth between the two. Oh, nice. So it was like a Russian Mil-8 or something like that. Some giant, like, Russian but passenger airline uh, or aircraft helicopter. So... And the other option is, like, a long drive to a ferry to a very long drive back on the main island. So um, it was like a four-hour trip to get from the hotel we were at back to the airport or, like, a relatively reasonably priced helicopter ride. And I don't think the helicopter operates anymore. So um, that was a lot of fun. Really enjoyed all those things. Um, Stop over in Rome on the way back. Used some Delta points for all of the... no, we did Delta Business Class and then Alitalia, I think, to the for the on an MD eighty eight that was you know all right an older one where you got to walk out the tail mm-hmm. um, at Malta. So some fun things. Um, flew home the day that uh, was an American Airlines plane crashed yeah. in Jamaica yeah. Bay. Yeah, yeah, we were airborne when that happened, so that was interesting. Um, learned yeah, about it when we landed, obviously. Yeah, did that stop your like? Did that have any impact on you? We, or anything? we did a loop to loop just off of Ireland. Oh, um, interesting. That's where we were when it happened, and they were trying to decide if the airspace was going to be open or not. Mm. And so it's it actually, you know, mildly interesting story. And bizarrely, I actually, this is like of all the trips I've taken, I actually have a, a FedEx envelope with all like the paper menus and random other crap from that trip and nothing else. But I saved that one for some reason. Um, and I, I still have it around here somewhere. But we were in business class. Um, it's right at the front. And I had to go to D.C. the day when I landed. I was literally going to run home, drop off my one suitcase, you know, home from JFK back to Chelsea where I was living, dump my suitcase, grab my other suitcase, put some dress clothes in it for work and go back to LaGuardia and fly down on the shuttle. Mm-hmm. And fortunately, work, travel, shuttle, whatever, the tickets were flexible because we were late. And then when we landed, it was a hard stand. And the way they set us up, because the airport was, like, overcrowded at this point. Not as many planes left. There was all sorts of issues going on. And because the way they set us up at the hard stand, we deplaned from the back doors, not the front. So business uh, class, yeah. we were the last people off the plane. Yeah. Um, and when we got off the plane with the people mover thing, we were actually with the crew. Because we were literally the last people off. And, they, you know, there's enough room on the bus to take them also. And... I guess I called my sister or texted her or used my Blackberry. I don't even know anymore at this point. But, like, I must have called her because she was freaking out. Like, oh, my God, thank goodness you're safe, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, okay, what are you talking about? She's like, a plane crashed, Seth. I'm like, oh, okay. Got to go. <laughs> Man. Hung up the phone and looked at the pilots who are, in, you know, who are, like, you now standing next to us on the bus. I'm like, so, um, that explains the little loop-de-loop we did off of Ireland, huh? And the pilot just looked at me and shrugged. I'm like, nope, you're right. You shouldn't have said anything. Like, <laughs> it's all yeah, you, fine. But yeah, you don't want people it. flipping out. Yeah. 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 No, it, it was a really just like that sort of sort of nod and smile and acknowledge that everybody did it right. And it's fine. But there's an explanation for, for everything. And that's why that happened. So yeah, yeah. Um, interesting little moment. But I like Malta. Um, the old town is really cool. There's like a fort and stuff that's neat to visit. I went back. The one I was talking about, the photos we took, um, the Munich and Frankfurt trip. Where I went back with a Lufthansa Technik press trip. Um, to, there's a big Lufthansa Technik maintenance base in Malta where they do a lot of different repair work on airplanes, including uh, Wi-Fi installations. So they took us there to show us how they do the Wi-Fi installations for some of the uh, Lufthansa fleet. And even then, and partly because I'd been the ones before, so I sort of knew where I was going and what to do. But we were that trip, we stayed a little out of town. Um, and a bunch of us, because we had like four hours between when we got to the hotel and dinner, I was like, hey guys, I can take three others with me in the taxi, let's go. And we ran back downtown again and just like walked the town for a couple hours. And it was great. Hilly, yeah. and you're like sort of on cliffs overlooking the harbor and whatnot, because it's a deep water harbor that's well protected and sort of well, you know, Easily protected, high walls and whatnot, because it's, you know, very strong military uh, fortifications and whatnot. So it's a neat, and historically, like, forever has been that way. Yeah, yeah. 
So it's fascinating. Yeah. And the culture there also, I mean, the food is wonderful. If you like Mediterranean style food, it's got the influences from Italy, from Northern Africa, from, you know, the whole region, which I love. And then, um, culturally, like there's a ton of churches, like in a different saint day each day of the year, like in the local church has, you know, they rotate, whatever there's, it was neat. Um, I really enjoyed visiting and just, you know, some hiking and stuff too. So, yeah. Yeah. Is it, uh, you mean, it, cause the reason I ask is I was actually a long time ago was offered a job there. My, one of my former employers had, had an, had an outpost there because it's popular for, uh, kind of offshoring your I say money laundering uh, and buying <laughs> and citizenship. Uh, more like you're, it's cheaper to own a European union business there. Like, yeah. you know, that's what uh, I'm talking about. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so they, they had that money laundering, Stephen. Yeah. Um, so their, their, well, in their Middle East operation was actually, uh, mostly out of there. They moved it from Dubai to there, um, for cost. Yeah. Um, and Dubai's so super expensive to operate in. Yeah. So we, you know, they were like, do you want to live there? And I'm like, I don't know. It seems kind of hot. <laughs> it's a little hot. I mean, we went in October, so it wasn't bad. I wouldn't necessarily <laughs> want to be there midsummer, but you know, go yeah. swimming. It'll be fine. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Dunk in anyway. the head. Um, uh, let's, let's talk a little bit about the Boeing settlement um, that, that just came out. Uh, when was this? Uh, last week. Yeah, early last week, right? Yeah. Um, what's the details on this? Well, the headline number that they published is $2.5 billion in penalty. Um, the reality is that like $1.8 billion of that is compensation to be paid to the airlines that had already been negotiated. So Boeing's getting credit for that, even though it was, you know, had nothing to do with the government. Um, on top of that, there's about a 243, I think 248, something like that, million dollar penalty that we paid to the Department of Justice and an additional $500 million set aside for the Victims Fund that will be uh, administered, I actually think, by the government this time. So, you know, we talked, I think, last episode about the lawyer who pilfered some of the cash. Mm-hmm. Um, probably not going to happen this on this one, but... Never. So you you can decide if you want to call it two hundred forty million or two, or seven hundred forty million, but it's definitely not two point five billion yeah. um, in penalties. Uh, and <clears throat> the other really interesting part of it is the way the it's a deferred prosecution agreement. So the government reserves the right over the next three years to further prosecute if Boeing doesn't cooperate. Um, I did not read it closely enough to know that there, if there's options for like if more evidence comes to light that they could still come back, but probably not. Um, but the interesting thing about it is they essentially narrowed down culpability and fault to just the two test pilots. What? Right? So that's the part that pisses me off the most. Um, yeah. Well, that and letting them get away with it for only $250 million. Um, but, yeah, the uh, they basically – right, there's the two test pilots that talked about, like, the Jedi mind tricking and purposefully excluding MCAS information from the briefings and from the pilot training documents – um, that's ultimately they're, they're, you know, defrauding the United States government, um, was going to be the charge. Uh, and it was really centered around the behavior of those two people. And so this with the, and with the financial penalty, right, there's no real discussion of changing the corporate culture to not do that sort of thing, or, you know, what audit policies will be in, in place going forward or sort of really anything else. Now, separate from that, we had the, Omnibus Spending Act that went through as part of the CARES 2 or whatever we're calling the recent COVID funding that was passed at the end of the year. Um, And that included the full rewrite. And I think we talked about this also last time. That included the full rewrite of the ODA, the policy under which the the aircraft manufacturer gets to sort of oversee its own 
mm-hmm. certification work, that's getting fixed. Um, it's going to change, assuming it ever gets implemented. But the bill, uh, the rewrite of that was included in the spending bill and was signed into law. So implementation so, notwithstanding. So does do the pilots face any kind of criminal charges around it? No, this was, the criminal, this was the criminal charge. Okay. At the federal level, and it has been settled for – my, my take on this, and you know, it is certainly a hot take, if you will, uh, is that Boeing's investors bought the freedom of those two guys for $250 million. Hmm. Interesting. Well, oh, boy. I don't I mean, know. On it, one hand, it seems like a lot to pay as, an, <laughs> as a company for two guys that were your employees, but also probably if that hap- if they went to trial, the, the amount of other information and the cost of the business would have been – and potential expansion of liability would have been significant. Yeah, I mean it seems like staying out of court was probably the best move for Boeing at this junction, right? Yeah. <laughs> Even with those costs. I mean, yeah, yeah, exactly. Add it to the 18 billion or whatever that they've already taken for the max because of this whole mess. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and the max is now back up in the air for a number of airlines and it's coming back for United, I think, uh, pretty soon. Um, they're starting to sell you know, different routes again. And, and stuff. I think United is maybe in February or something like that. I think so. Yeah. I was, I was wondering about it because, you know, there, there was some, some people, someone posted on Twitter that Air Canada uh, finally re- replied to a woman who, who had a flight pack when the match was first starting. Yes. Back. And then, and 2019. Yeah. Like the day after it was grounded, <laughs> the person tweeted like, Hey, how do I get a refund? And two years later, they wrote back. Hi, please reach out to our customer service. <laughs> it's like the funniest thing. Uh, but that made me think about, you know, those flights are starting back up. So, um, so I mean, we, we talked a little bit about CARES. Uh, there's more CARES flying coming, right? There's some changes coming. Uh, is it regional carriers that are coming back? What's what's the deal? Um, well, it's – hang on a second. It's, it's a little intri- – it's not the regional carriers so much as the – Remember, there was the rules about the um, you had to fly sort of everything you previously flew, mm-hmm. all your destinations and whatnot. Sorry, I was trying to get the uh, the max for Boeing for United. February eleventh is the first flight scheduled: uh, Houston, Fort Lauderdale, Houston, Las Vegas, Houston, Phoenix, uh, Denver, Las Vegas, Houston, Chicago, Houston, Orlando. They got a lot coming. A lot back. of Houston flying. Yeah, it looks like it's Denver to Fort Myers, Phoenix. Uh, Denver to Sacramento. Looks like it's going to have a Denver base and a Houston base at least to start. Wow. Um, but a lot, when it comes back, they're not messing around. Yeah, no Looks kidding. like 20-something flights the first day back. Wow. So, anyway, sorry. Um, the CARES Act stuff is when airlines get paid to keep their employees, right, all their frontline staff, uh, they get their, those costs covered or most of those costs covered if they maintain their flight services as they existed in prior you know, last year, center now 2019 levels effectively. Um, they can cut back, but they have to keep all the cities. And so that was the the short, short version of the rules. And since it expired uh, in, was it September 30th, um, a lot of airlines further cut their network. American, I think, was the most aggressive, but others had cuts as well. Um, with the new funding coming, the Department of Transportation has issued a revised sort of version of the requirements saying, if you take money, you have to serve all the cities. So it's it's very similar um, in that context. The regional carriers are actually covered based on the main line that they contract to. So they don't have, you know, like if you were SkyWest or whatever and you used to fly Phoenix to, I don't know, McAllen, which I don't think is a real route, but whatever. That was on a regional jet. And you did that on behalf of American Airlines. Um, if American says you don't have to fly that anymore, you don't have to fly that anymore. And America, as long as American has some service to McAllen, it's okay. Right, they, and it would be three or five a week, depending on where they were. Um, they were big airlines, so probably five a week minimum. Um, 
but yeah, overall, um, there's a couple interesting little bits of nuance in the way this one came out. And I was just chatting with, uh, the guy who works dispatch, um, about some of this, um, basically, um, if an airline has ceased operating service since September 30th, because the prior service obligation expired, um, unless they were the last and only airline providing service at that airport, and there's no one currently serving that airport, they actually don't have to restart. <laughs> so that's a good, you know, good news for the airlines, certainly. Yeah, yeah. Um, the other one that's super interesting to me is that uh, <clears throat> when the original listing came out, there was the whole question of multi-airport cities. Right? It's like Boston is a metro area that includes Manchester, New Hampshire, uh, like Providence, and Boston, but not Worcester. Yeah, which is the closest of the three <laughs> uh, ancillary airports, um, and the new the original ruling last summer was you can serve any one, but you don't have to serve all of them. Uh, this time around, you have to serve all of them, it, all of the ones you previously served. So, you know, I think Norfolk and Newport News is probably a great example of that, where everyone who served both those airports packed up at Newport News and only served Norfolk. Uh, now, you know, if the obligation is five flights a week, they have to have at least one to each airport within the city grouping that they previously served. And then in total must serve five, hmm. five frequencies. Um, you know, like what happens with, I think JetBlue at Long Beach gets the exemption because they stopped serving after November, after September 30th, they moved, right. They moved in December, yeah. if I remember correctly. So, um, I think there's. You know, some weird exemptions like that that won't really be an issue. But overall, um, yeah, it's it's I still think it's stupid to pay airlines to fly as opposed to paying them not to fly right now. Um, but you know, there's some interesting comments in the document from the DOT basically saying, like, you know, last time around, all the airlines served, you know, operated services way more than the minimums required. So no bitching at us. So don't come back. And, and demand is way up now relative to. You know, last summer, so don't come back and start bitching to us about these service levels. Yeah, yeah. Um, they don't say bitching, but they mean it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, the, we understand, you know, we expect that there won't be any concerns, blah, 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 kind of thing. So yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, yeah I, don't, I don't know. I I still really wish that we would focus on not moving people around and, you know, pay them because that's what, what the decision was, right? That The whole goal of this is to support the employees. But if there was a way to do that without having to deal with the overhead of onboarding, you know, recalling and then refurloughing um, and things like that and getting them the healthcare coverage they need. <clears throat> yeah. yeah. I'd, I'd love to see that do better. And I know it won't, but it would be nice. Yeah. Do you think um, the airlines, like how, how do you think the airlines are taking to this? I guess is, is my question. Like, is this, well, is there a, is there a positive look or is it a positive outlook or I, I mean, generally? Mm. No. Mm. I mean, I think there's a little bit of a Scrooge McDuck moment, right? Someone threw his pool of gold because someone else is covering the bills for a little another three months. That's great news. Four months, right? Just for, yeah, it was from December 1st. Uh, I think they're backdating the pay. So December 1st through March 31st. Um, that's good news for the airlines. But you got, you know, Kirby over at United saying, this is temporary. We don't expect this to last. Hmm. Um, other airlines, maybe a little more optimistic. I think... Uh, in his New Year's message, uh, Bastion over at Delta had a, was a little more optimistic about turning the corner on profitability yep. relatively early in 2021. So, or at least, you know, g- getting rid of cash burn, which I think isn't really profitability, but uh, cutting cash burn. Not, 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 not losing cash. Yeah, so yeah, much. It was, all of these things, it's like, 
there's 18 different ways to report any of these numbers and none of them are, you know, but cash burn is not a standardized metric. The different airlines report it slightly differently or calculate it slightly differently. So, um, but yeah, you know, there's a report out there that, um, one regional furloughed a bunch of people right before, um, they accepted the first round of funding and, um, that as part of round two, they had to, you know, they had to offer to recall everybody. Um, but so many people turned it down that they're having to hire new people in off the street. Um, I guess so people just don't trust going back and not getting furloughed again. Or well, there's, there's another regional that apparently pilots, um, they want to furlough them, but won't let them like, or sorry, they want to recall them, but not let them take a leave of absence. Right. So this is where it gets weird, right? Like if you're a regional airline and the parent airlines, like yeah, we're not adding any more service. If you hire everybody back, like just pay them to sit at home. Mm-hmm. It doesn't cost you anything. You get your money from the feds. Um, it works well actually. And let them have their leave of absence or whatever, um, and keep doing what they're doing. But I think that there's a little bit of a political play of, Oh, you didn't come back. And so now they can hire new pilots, right? With any airline for the first year or two, the pilots make way less money than they do when they become more senior. So even the younger folks that have been furloughed because seniority still applied in the furlough policies, they'll be higher paid than a new hire would be when they get rehired, when that growth comes back (laughs) rather than paying them now. So like, this is a way to force those furloughed pilots off the rolls. Um, There's also some question about how the money gets allocated because it's, I think it's actually a flat rate allocation based on the old payroll, not based on how many people you have, as long as you try to rehire them. So if they rehire them and they don't come back, if they recall them and they don't come back, you still, the airline still gets the money. So, um, there's sort of an, uh, a good, a good reason to do it that way, that way as well, because they get, you know, they get to keep the money. Yeah. So there's some less than stellar behavior, we'll call it, but is what it is. Yeah. I mean, it's, it seems like, you know, it's like we're, we're funding something that we, we don't actually see the end in sight, right. Of, of all of this. And we're hoping, we're hoping this is enough. Uh, I don't think anyone is under the delusion that it's enough. No, they're just delaying the inevitable. Yeah, I, I don't think any. Well, I'm going to take that back. Southwest Airlines said that as a result of uh, this payout, they won't furlough anyone this year. Wow. Um, even though they had you know, initially said it's going to be like in the next couple, uh, I think it was at the end of March, end of April, they were going to furlough people. Um, and so there's enough cash coming in now that uh, you know they can handle the cost through the end of the year, they think. Hmm. That makes sense, right? They're getting yeah, enough yeah. money. So even if it's just those... Uh, that level of payout um, is so much higher, yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's there's a lot of money moving around. That's crazy, 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 crazy. Um, let's talk about spirit and fraud. <laughs> this is a fun one. <laughs> what's the what's the story? Uh, I, actually, uh, buddy pass has gone bad. Essentially, or non rev tickets gone bad. There's a guy who actually worked at Mesa, a regional, um, and as a employee was able to get you know pass travel on Spirit and was laid off or fired at Mesa and somehow kept access to the website to keep booking spirit tickets and was able to fraudulently generate uh, Mesa employee identification cards. And, you know, with a person's name and birth date and employment date and ID number, whatever was it kept booking tickets. Oh my gosh. Um, And like thousands of them and eventually started selling them to other people. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So it, it started off as like, uh, oh, I'll just keep traveling a little myself. Um, ended up being uh, set $150,000 in restitution, approximately $77 per ticket. So it's like 2,000 tickets. 
crazy. <laughs> um, and it was not just him. There were he was the lead defendant. Um, but yeah, two thousand free fights in and out of Los Angeles. Yeah, kind of crazy. And there's I'm counting here one, two, three, four, five, six others that have all pleaded not guilty um, after being indicted back in March. Doing the same thing, or they, so, you know, also were you know either helping or whatnot. So because I mean, as a person who's like a potential passenger, right? Like you don't like someone says, "Oh, I can get you tickets for 150 bucks or whatever." Uh, and I, I, as far as you know, it's legal, right? It's like it's like someone telling you a TV at some kind of shady shop you're like oh this seems legal uh plane tickets don't usually fall off the back of a truck yeah exactly yeah uh 1953 flights that were connected to the scheme booked for someone that did not match the mesa airlines employee for whom the information was used to book the free flight so did they find a loophole so their mesa did they find a loophole in spirit spirits website or what it sounds like they were able to somehow like through the web portal use uh employee details and then a separate passenger name mm. so interesting yeah and yeah. so as long as they have to like prove with the badge or whatever so they give the so there are some fake badges made yeah I, I, it's crazy it's a lot of work to go through for some free stuff <laughs> yeah. never underestimate what people will do when they think there's no repercussions yeah great well you know they'll, they'll uh take over the capital uh <laughs> sorry i couldn't help um speaking of which i set that one up so easily you, you didn't you did. take it <laughs> you did you did I, if i if i didn't take it i would have been disappointed myself um Marriott uh, is defunding some Republicans, so they're not going to basically give to campaigns for certain Republicans. Yeah, and this is – let's say it's a developing uh, story uh, at the minimum. There's a lot of talk about sort of – a lot of companies cutting back on uh, campaign contributions right now. Uh, Marriott <clears> – <throat> excuse me – has explicitly said it will stop putting money into uh, – the Republicans that had uh, voted to not certify or objected to certifying the uh, election. Gotcha. Um, so there, there, there's that. I mean, the other one, um, I'm trying to see if I pull up that link to read the details. Um, here it is. Goldman Sachs, JP Morgan also stopped um, donations, but they're stopping donations to everybody. Oh, really? Which, like, across the government, which is kind of a weird both sides in of the situation. Uh, Blue Cross Blue Shield, uh, the health insurance company, and Commerce Bank um, have also said that they will stop supporting just those who challenge the Electoral College results. Um, I, w- I will say about the Marriott thing, trying to keep this vaguely travel-related, um, one interesting bit about that that I did not know is that uh, Senator Romney, Mitt Romney, um, who has been somewhat aggressively vocal about uh, – the, the entire situation this past week, um, his given name is Willard in honor of J. Willard Marriott. Huh. He was actually named for the founder of Marriott. Had no idea. Yeah. And the, no who idea. was uh, J.W., uh, as it were, is a friend of uh, Romney's father. So. Wow. Interesting. So I knew that Marriott was uh, had its Mormon roots and the, you know, the whole Utah thing, but I didn't realize it was that close. Yeah, yeah. Um, do they so have they said like specifically which Republicans? Because I know like Ted Cruz, Hawley, and Tuberville senators, and like a hundred and something Republic, uh, House of Reps congressmen, really congressmen. Okay, okay. Just, that's just what I remember from who voted. Um, yeah, I mean it's quite a large chunk of change coming out of the coffers. Yeah, yeah. We'll see if it does anything, changes any minds. Yeah. Uh, 
in sad news, this uh, Sri Wijaya, I swear, someone, one of our listeners needs to tell me how to say this name. Uh, uh, Sri Wijaya air crash in Indonesia is, is awful. It's just awful. Um, it, no survivors. Uh, we don't know a lot, really. Um, but the, the pictures are pretty horrific. And it, and it happened just after takeoff uh, on the, what was that? Yeah. Yesterday? Yes. Ninth? Yeah. On Saturday, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, terribly, terribly tragic. Um, we'll, we'll have to see what happens, uh, uh, what they come up with. I think we, we've heard that the CVR and FDR, the cockpit voice recorder and flight data recorder, aka the black boxes that are actually bright orange, have been located. Um, they've located parts of the wreckage. They, I've seen some pictures of you know the engines coming onto a barge, um, looking all sorts of mangled. So, and and one thing to note, or one thing that I kind of irritated me with reporting about this is everything was tied back to the max. And it's like, no, this is not a Max. This is a 737. I think it was a 500. It's a 500. Yeah, it's a classic. Um, this is this is not a new plane. This is has nothing to do with the Max. But a lot of the reporting, even in the New York Times, um, is saying, oh, well, it immediately like talks about the Boeing impact with the Max. And I find that kind of disingenuous to the people who are actually victims in this because it's – And the Max. <laughs> crash and the Max. Frankly. Yeah, yeah, because it's it has nothing to do with any of that. And, and I think more should be – if you don't know a lot, you don't know a lot. You don't need to put in – Bluff, but uh, that's just that's neither here nor there. <laughs> no, it's here. <laughs> it's right here. I'm with you. Uh, so I'm, I'm begging you, news newscasters, news news reporters, please stop writing about irrelevant things. Well, you know, the media manipulates news to suit their issues. So, oh, uh, okay, yeah, yeah. This is, I know where you're going. Anyway, um, so I think that's I think that's a show. I think on our follow up, we're going to talk a little bit about the Moynihan Terminal opening at uh, the Penn State at Penn Station and kind of how exciting this is. Um, so if you're a Patreon listener, look forward to that. If you're not a Patreon listener and want to hear that, you can always subscribe on Patreon and you'll get a little bit of extra content every week. So uh, yeah, until next time, uh, you can find us on Twitter at dotslines, more dotsmorelines.com, and uh, we'll see you next show. Bye bye. Take care.